Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is Afternoon Pancakes. Episode 6 of Season 2. So right now we're going into Week 4 of the 2020 NFL season. Uh, This podcast, Afternoon Pancakes, uh, is about the Indianapolis Colts. We're part of SB Nation here at Stampede Blue, and I'm with my colleague, Stephen Reed. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing well today, my friend. How are you today? Hey, I'm just lucky to be here. Still hanging around. Kind of waited... As late as I felt we could, really, uh, this week to record a podcast, just because of all of the injuries, I kind of like having all the information before we pontificate. You know what I mean? Yeah, life came came about during the, the week, so we had to push it back a little bit here and there. But once it got to a certain point, we're like, you know what, let's just hang out. Let's go ahead and get the get all the injuries we can make a a good podcast with everything all the information that we can get absolutely and we're going to try to stick to the same formula um that we've been using in the prior couple podcasts so what we'll do is of course we'll start by saying hey we'd really appreciate it if you would rate our podcast five stars of course like like it share it uh, and you can get our podcast wherever you actually download podcasts. So that's Spotify, that's iTunes, that's Google Play. Um, we put it out through Megaphone, um, which should apply that to several places. Um, and we just want you to remember, you can always follow us on Twitter at PodPancake, where we will post an article for from Stampy Blue with a podcast link in it um, when I when I release it and upload it here shortly. And then you can follow uh, Stephen at Nice Reed R E E D Steve, and you can follow myself at Likely Alien uh, on the Bird app, uh, and you can hear you know us talk That's a little more about football. Yeah. That's the Twitter app. Um, so yeah, Over so last week Twitter, the Colts got a big win at home. Really? Yes. Sorry, I, I didn't know whether I was supposed to chime in there. I was like, that is a fact. Indeed. You know, I. it's difficult when you're a fan or have been a fan of a player for a long time and you're playing against them kind of knowing that your team's probably going to get the upper hand. And I say that to say, like, I'm a USC fan, so I – I watched Darnold play for a couple of years. Uh, I will say he's come on a little stronger than I thought that he would. Like he's he's better than I thought he was going to be, uh, and that's good for him. Because um, I did I did rate quarterbacks I believe when Darnold was drafted, and I think I had him in the in the top three three in his class. Top three for sure. Yeah. Um, it was like that year was that was the year with Baker, right? Yeah. I think I think my mine was Baker Darnold, and those were my one too. And uh, and obviously we got the get. That's a gift class now because I think Josh Allen's great. I think Lamar's great. And there's there. I mean there are others, but that, there's four quarterbacks right there that are that are marquee quarterbacks. Um, so obviously I will say, uh, surprised by the score. Uh, pleasantly though, obviously, right? I think thirty-six to seven is we'll take that like every week. Um. Again, would would love to see more red zone efficiency, right? Um, but if we're really going to harp on that at this point, uh, with back to back 
what we call those blowouts, right? Uh, back-to-back blowout wins. Uh, I'm really I'm surprised is not. And and to to put this into perspective, you don't see blowout wins very often in the NFL. Like no. normally, games are you know within ten points. Um, you, you're every most games are within ten points. Almost like ninety five percent of the games are within fourteen. And so fifty three percent of all games are three point games. Yeah, exactly. Like for the NFL, it's you don't see these blowouts, and to have the Colts come in two weeks in a row and really just instead of playing to the level of the competition like they did in week one, to really kind of put the gas on and then hold the gas because too yeah. often in the past they would start super super slow and then catch up or they would start really really fast and then they're like all right we got this and the other team would have an opportunity at the end this colts team this year you know after that that major major road bump in jacksonville in week two against minnesota and now week three against the the new york jets they really just put their foot on the gas pedal and gone and that's exactly what you want to see in a team because it shows that they're they're starting to figure it out and kind of get it all together. Yeah, like putting putting a full game together, playing the full sixty minutes at a high level, um, is the is the week in and week out goal. Uh, for you would you would think for every franchise man, but you'd be you'd be surprised how many of these teams really just are like trying to hang in there for a quarter. Um, and I say that kind of in jest. It is true, man. There's a lot of these teams out there. That you kind of you kind of get a hang of watching them play, and like you know, Fitzpatrick can hold it together for about a quarter and a half, and then he lets the handle go a little bit, and it's over. Um, but you know. I, Philip Rivers is, is starting to come around for me. And I say that he's the NFL leader in completion percentage. So so here's a stat that I saw about Philip Rivers. And I, I forget who who put it out there. I want to say it was possibly Jim Aiello, um, but I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But Philip Rivers this year has been pressured 17 times in, in three games. Last year with the Chargers, he was pressured 15 times a game on average. <laughs> he's 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 in heaven. <laughs> like seriously, like you could extend. I, I talked about this um, with with Evan over on on his podcast, Locked On Colts, um, either earlier this week or last week, um, and it was one of those things where he he brought it up, and I'm like, wow, like he could legitimately play two three more years oh yeah if he's not getting touched like football is really easy if you're not getting hit yeah absolutely like, and like, i mean a quarterback that age like seriously and how smart does philip rivers look and i obviously understand there was a strong connection there between uh reich and rivers and there were other other coaches on the colts uh staff that had a connection to philip rivers that kind of led us to this relationship forming and the uh and, and philip coming to the colts but he does look like a smart cat right i think any i think anybody that would have come to indy as a quarterback uh as a as a free agent uh looked smart doing so right it's a really good offensive line they're young that defense is young and it's got some really important pieces um you know like i said especially with acquiring DeForest Buckner, that defense has the potential to be special and for Phillips to come here. And, and again, I think we we've said it, he's going to turn the ball over cause he's a little bit of a gunslinger. Um, and then we've had, we've had guys kind of go down and they've kind of had to mold the offense around what they've got left. And I think Pittman, Pittman last week was catching some, some nice balls, running some nice routes. Uh, obviously had, had, had gotten hurt and has gotten gotten surgery. And I think that's going to lead him to miss a few weeks anyway. Um, so, yeah, I mean. Yeah. With, with Pittman, the, what, what happened to him was the, the compartment syndrome. So he had to have surgery on it. And thankfully they, they found it right away. Right. Um, because that, that could have been a, a major issue um, to, I think like there are people that have to have like the limb amputated um, if they, it goes, goes on. Um, but for them to catch it right away, 
Frank Reich, I think, had said um, that he'll miss a couple weeks. Um, at the latest, I think they expect to get him back after the bye week. And so it, it is a it's a short term injury. Um, and so, yeah, it's one of those things. He's one of two Colts that were ruled out, which is surprisingly healthy. Even through three weeks of the season, you don't expect to see only only two guys being ruled out um, this Saturday or this, the Friday before. And then you've got uh, Trey Burton coming back uh to looks like he's coming back into the practice to see if they want to to activate him from ir and same thing with shell today so colts are starting to get healthier which is great yeah i mean you got to have it and and of course if we look back at the content the colts had put out they had actually kind of told us the way they break up their season is into chunks of four um so if you if you guys follow the the colts youtube channel the Colts media department, they've put out content centered around like the coaching philosophy uh, and how they break down the season. They break it into into groups of four. So this is an opportunity for the Colts uh, to not only uh, kind of this is a big win. I, 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 I say that kind of tongue in cheek because the Bears really don't have a questionable quarterback situation. Um I say that kind of like, and, and we were just talking about before the podcast that Khalil Mack uh, is doubtful, questionable, I believe I said. Um, yeah, so you're looking at him as what, like a 50, 50, 75% chance to play. Yeah. And not, and obviously not a hundred percent. Right. So with, with the, that in mind, of course, um, really, really like, this is just a big road opportunity uh, that when you look back on a season, you say this was like a linchpin win where you knew you knew you had a high ceiling, um, but, you know, going in and it, Chicago, if they're known for anything in in the re, in recent history, it's for having a pretty disruptive defense. Um, but the numbers yeah. are not are not saying that this year. Um, they're, they're pretty bad against the run, um, and their coverage has been spotty. So the, the bears are more of a competitive roster than they are, uh, uh, what I would consider like a playoff roster, like a contending roster, right? They're, they're competitive, but I don't, I don't think this game's close either, um, is what I'm really, really getting at. Um, would really like to see it again a little more of the rushing game a little more of the ball control offense uh just because you know just like we've just been talking about with all these injuries uh of course the Colts can get healthier uh, but we can't we already have knowledge that that's not how this works right it's like every it's like a war of attrition every week a player goes down and you're like, God, you know, we really nice to have him. <laughs> we really need that, you know, and I'm not even going to name names because I'm not putting anybody on that, uh, on that. Um, but every, every week it feels like a guy goes down and you're like, dang, you know, you really could really use that guy here in the next few weeks. Um, and obviously anybody that's, that's injured, you hope, you hope to get him back. And I think we're supposed to get, Pivoting back, like you said, after the bye, are did we lose Mac and C- Campbell for the season too? Mac, yes, for sure. Um, Campbell, you've lost for the majority of the season. Okay. Um, that he's likely out for the season. Um, they expect him. He could potentially, because he didn't tear a ligament in in his knee. Um, it was the I believe it was an MCL strain, which I know that's a stretch of that one um versus right. sprain, which i think believe is actually a small tear but um for getting super medical on this right but, um uh, yeah the, campbell for the most part is 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 done for the year um max done for the year for sure and then Molly cooker's done for the year but i really like what they've done but julian blackman has shown i think Molly cooker's probably played his last last down as a colt 
is my guess. I think they might they'll likely look to re-sign Marlon Mack. Um, Maybe give us a little bit of a hometown discount. Yeah, probably actually. I mean that, and that helps the Colts. You know, it, it further strengthens an area. Um, I feel the Colts have kind of built a, a foundation of a nice little stable of running backs. Uh, n- noticing uh, J- Wilkins getting a little more uh, shine when it comes to the like the Stampede Blue staff and kind of the the office chatter. Um, we're talking about you know, hey, it wouldn't be a bad idea to get Wilkins some touches, right? Keep the keep this rotation healthy because um, you're gonna need guys like Taylor to carry the load, right? But you're gonna also have to to mix in the these other backs and get them some touches too. And really would like to, for me, it's like you want a hundred yards out of Hines catching the ball and a hundred, a hundred yards out of Taylor on the ground. And then can they just get, have a nice game out of Wilkins too? It would be perfection, right? Uh, Cause you know, I guess if we're, if we're going to say uh, I, I expect the Colts to win pretty handily early on, we also have to, <laughs> You have to give people something else to to hope to happen, right? Like a com- a complete football game. Obviously, you don't want to turn the ball over. Um, speaking speaking of which, back to back, three interception games. Three interception games from this Colts defense, and I think we maybe we didn't hype the Colts defense up enough. I felt like they. What? I feel I like we kind of understood they them. would be a top five defense. I've started this. <laughs> I said that last year, like in May, <laughs> I think that they would go back and hey, check the tape. He's somebody like, check, check the tape. Somebody go check. He probably did. I'm, I'm, I'm certain I mean, I said the, that they, the whole, they, they would definitely be a top 10 defense and potentially a top five. No, I meant more on the whole, not you or I. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I get what you're saying. Like, well, we've we've been saying that frequently. I feel like the only sane person in the room, right? When you talk about um, the Colts, because I try not to speak in terms of like right now. I'm always either being a revisionist and looking at what we already know or looking ahead at what's about to happen, right? You're never really thinking about the Colts right in the moment. But the Colts right now on both sides of the ball are playing at the highest level they've played since. And I dare say, like, it's been like six, seven years since the Colts have played this well on both sides of the ball. And probably longer than that. I might be kind of making that up too but with a defense that's really sort of devastating really right like really not allowing you to run establish the run at all and really just limiting the pass game and uh our colleague zach hicks wrote a great article this week about the colts aren't running a, a cover two anymore Mm-mm. no and this is something that actually chris shepherd um our beloved sherpa Yes. Had wrote about um, back when Eberflus started, and and how he thought the Colts were going to start moving towards more of that that cover three. Yeah, and that's the, now it's a, a different variation of the cover three that they play in Seattle. Um, but it, it's still one of those things where you give credit where it's due. Shepard was on this when he started seeing transactions being made. He was like, you know, this seems a lot like they're going to switch over to cover three. So props to to the Sherpa. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Want to make sure we <laughs> give credit where it's due, right? Um, but yeah, it's it's certainly it certainly feels good, right? Because I I, I feel like as as Colts fans, especially pe- those of us that are like watching tape or, or seeing the All Twenty Two, really paying really close attention to the team, you felt like this defense had a lot of promise. Uh, we've we've been saying we felt like the offense just needed somebody that was going to come in and spread the ball around, right? Like, there's plenty of targets to go around. I feel like getting Trey Burton's good because Phillip Rivers, if, you know, first, I watch an awful lot of football, but I probably haven't watched as much Rivers in the past 
as uh, possible. I, I imagine there are plenty of instances where I chose to watch other games. Um, but he does like his running backs and tight ends. We do know that. And that he did have a problem in the last several years having a full stable wide receivers uh, in, San, in, well, in California with the Chargers. So now he's in a sort of similar spot where he's missing a couple pieces at wide receiver and he's getting, he's kind of established a, a nice rapport with, with Jack and with Mo Ali Cox. And then now they bring Trey Burton in and now he, he can add uh, to the passing attack for the Colts. Uh, well, what would be helpful to have Trey Burton back is with Michael Pittman out. Mm-hmm. Michael Pittman was that big receiver. Trey Burton basically is a, like, you press the upgrade button on an Eric Ebron, and that's Trey Burton. <laughs> like, it, it is. You press that nice blue upgrade button, boom, Trey Burton. And the... W- bringing back a guy like Trey Burton makes the the running game that much more potent too because the player that you're adding back is another tight end another heavy player right so he comes out on the field and then the defense automatically thinks like okay they're running some sort of play action their tight ends are getting involved in this play right and then you just so happen to put enough meat on the field that oh that's actually a run ends up being a nice run formation for the Colts which which again the more Colt football you watch you realize how powerful uh and an a good rushing game is just being able to run the ball reliably, keep the chains moving. Uh, will let just let you control the whole game. Um, and with, you know, you really can't talk about the Colts without talking about special teams and with being, with the Colts being able to, uh, control, uh, kind of the, where we are playing on the field, right? Like winning the field position game because Rigoberto Sanchez is playing out of his mind. Right. Um, the, the Colts are really kind of putting it all together, hence the record, right? Like two and one and, and absolutely, I think I, I think I did the math and the Colts have scored four times as many points as they've allowed in the last two weeks. Um, it's it's, probably close to there. The defense is outscored, defense outscored the Jets on their own last (laughs) week. It's a fun stat. (laughs) That's awesome. They did. They 14 to seven, right? Oh, no, 60 because they had a safety. They had a safety. They had back-to-back right. safeties, which they had. The Colts hadn't had safeties in back-to-back games since like 1960, and haven't had back-to-back inter or three interception games since like 1970. That's there was awesome. a whole lot of whole lot of history made the past two weeks, and we're just super excited that against the Bears, it's going to continue and be three interceptions and a safety again against Chicago. Again, go ahead, mark that tape. I feel confident in this one. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to. I have to feel like that Nick Foles is going to struggle, not just because he hasn't been the starter. He came in last week, and I get it. You led led the Bears to a win. That is just fine. But uh, a one week turnaround to sort of kind of take on that role as starter. I get it. He's played at the position before. But this Colts defense isn't one that you can just kind of do that with. And in addition to that, Frank Reich has a relationship with Nick Foles and has this guy. And even Nick Foles said, Frank Reich figured me out as a quarterback. Right. So you have to you have to figure it's another it has to be another blowout. The Colts have Chicago's number with. There's so many there, those those ties that bind, right? There's the the Foles Reich connection, and then there's the the Colts Pagano connection with their defense, and now the Bears defense has become the Colts defense of of years past. Where I feel the, really confident in the Colts' ability to score at that point. Yeah, the the Bears play yeah. this <laughs> bend don't break defense, right? Which is is what Colts fans have been dealing with with the Colts in in recent memory, which again we're talking about them moving away from. Like so I have that, a really hard time playing a bend but don't break defense when running a three four. 
that's, <laughs> that's not the defense. Like you run a four three if you're doing bend but don't break. Right. Give up those soft zones. You, like you can't run a three four. Like the whole point of a three four is to disguise blitzes and be aggressive. Right. Like. And you're gonna play soft coverage with a with an aggressive like scheming blitzing tw- twisting a lot of. Uh, yeah, like like, like you said, this, uh, disguising your coverages and stuff like that. Uh, you want a four three because you want to get to the quarterback faster, more more frequently, right? With four rushers mm. as opposed to three in a stand up. Um, it'd be it'd be nice to, like I said, go go to Chicago, get a win, three and one in the first four games, and then kind of continue the trend, right? Because they, I mean, outside of touchdowns, that's the only thing we're missing. It, it, we we have we've done things this year that we have not done in years past, and and we know what those things are. That's get to the quarterback, and sack their quarterback. That's turn the ball over. That's get points off turnover. That's not. That's controlling uh, the field position game by winning the special teams game, right? And then all all we really have left is scoring in the red zone. And I believe I saw. The Bears, while while they're three and zero, they're like twentieth in the NFL in the red zone. Well, here's the thing: is the Colts and Bears, if you look at them, like just take out their their teams as you look at their records. Like you know, Bears are three and zero, Colts are two and one. Yeah. Um, but both of them in the three opponents that they faced, their combined record for those three opponents is one and eight. Um. And that's both Chicago and Indianapolis. And the 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 one Colts win is the the one win that the other team had was Jacksonville against the Colts. So mm-hmm. I'd say if the Colts would have played well, they would they would be effectively playing, you know, they would be three and zero, and and every team they played would be zero and nine. Um, oh wow! And, or zero and nine combined. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I, I think is really interesting about this game, it's something that you brought up with the familiarity between Rake and, and Nick Foles, is something that we saw last week um, in the Kansas City and Baltimore game, where um, Andy Reid had familiar, familiarity with Marcus Peters and how he played. And there was a couple routes that they ran in that where they specifically set up Marcus Peters, knowing his tendencies and knowing that he would do. They ran a... a a a deep like a nine route um outside a a a go route on the outside uh and then and they had and they were going to be in a basically a cover three defense and marcus peters was in that back third um on the the far side or the near side and they ran a crosser a deep crosser right in front of marcus peters face and they know his tendency that he wants to be the guy that makes the play. And so he took a step up, not not paying attention to the guy that was about to run right by him, thinking that he's about to go up and get a pick. And Kansas City scored a touchdown. I see this kind of similarly happening with Nick Foles, is Reich knows Foles' tendencies and knows how to get at him. Right. You know, they they understand each other a lot. And so you're going to be able to give that knowledge to Matt Eberflus in the defense, and you're going to be able to to cause some havoc against him. And quite honestly, the the Bears, not I don't think they've faced a defense to the level of of the Colts defense this year. No, and 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 again, that's the that's why we play him on Sunday, right? Because there are a lot of people out there that are going to oversell the Bears defense that are going to hype up that Bears offense because they've got Allen Robinson, because they've got Anthony Miller, because they have what appears to be like a competent quarterback in Nick Foles. But again, he's an older guy. He's not terribly mobile. This is an active Colts defense that's putting pressure on the quarterback, right? We we spent all this money on Houston and Buckner. There's no way we're sitting back on our heels and not putting pressure on these old farts, right? And Foles counts, man. Like he 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 man, he may be he may be that guy, but he's a little old and a little slow, and I just I just don't feel like their offense is is going to be able to do much more than 
you know, get you, get you one or two times. Like I, I would legit expect they might score ten points. Um, and and I'm I'm hoping I'm wrong and that it's like a competitive game, but like I really, I really am am high on the Colts defense right now, and, and I'm like they're getting Rakiasin back and they they lost T J Carey, and it's like you you gained in that loss. Right, you you got back your number one corner for the record, just in case anybody like forgot. Like getting back your number one corner is a is a good thing, right? Getting a b- guy back like Trey Burton when you're missing wide receivers is great for your offense because it gives Philip Rivers another reliable tight end target, uh, and he's already shown a proclivity. He loves going to the tight end and to the running back. And again, like I. I want to see him put it all together one time. I keep saying I want to keep saying it like every week on our podcast. Like I just want to see him put it together one time. Um, with 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 having like these performances individually, right? Like one week it's Molly Cox, and the, you know the week 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 prior is it's it's Hines, right? Wilkins has looked good too. So who do you think? kind of the unsung hero is going to be this week? Um, I'm going to say who I think it's going to be. Um, if it's, if we're going to somebody that's not like a big name guy, like Philip Rivers, Jonathan Taylor, T.Y. Hilton, right. Or like Darius Leonard, you know, DeForest Buckner. Um, this is, I'm going to put my wagon on Julian Blackman. Um, just because I really like the way he's played thus far. I think that he's such an intelligent player and he really understands the game. And I think they're going to put him in a position to play and really get some interceptions and and contribute to some turnovers. Okay. And since you picked a defensive player, I'll kind of pick an offensive player. And, you know, it's kind of a, a Stampede Blue favorite. But I've kind of, I've been feeling like he's he's gonna explode and just go off. Uh, and I I think I'm gonna pick like Zach Pascal. Um, he's he's kind of come around. He's been like this uh, do it all kind of utility wide receiver. And I Tell feel like he's the Heinz Award of this team. He has this potential to be like a really nice red zone threat. Uh, and if you're playing a bend don't break defense and you've got, uh, a four, I wouldn't say fortuitous. That's not the word I'm looking for. Uh, a very, a sav, there you go. Like a savvy, uh, wide receiver. Um, that, that bodes well for him kind of going off, right? Like a two touchdown game would be kind of going off for a wide receiver. Uh, so I'm going to predict Zach Pascal having himself a big game. Um, do we want to kind of look around the rest of the the AFC South uh, and then put out our uh, our predictions? Yeah, I'm going to say the four? Steelers beat the Titans because the Titans are idiots. <laughs> and of course, they're not just lead off with fire. They're just they're just not playing that game until week eight. Um, but I I do agree. The, for the record, the Titans are ruining it for everyone else. It's worth saying at this point. Um, our other game uh, in the AFC South, the the Jags play at the Bengals. And uh, did you know Joe Burrow has the second best uh, QB uh, rating for quarterbacks in the in the NFL right now? Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, so I I kind of think. <laughs> The Bengals beat the Jags at home. That's uh, I was going that way too, to be honest. Like There's, I really like what the Bengals have done, even though they they haven't gotten a lot of a ton of wins. No. Um, you know, I'm really really happy with what they've done so far, and, and like they were a pretty talented team going in. So it's one of those things where you go, all right, you know, you, you, they there was one of those teams that shouldn't. Have probably been the number one pick but they just had got struck by injuries last year right and the 
only way only way up only way they can go is up uh i feel i just feel like jacksonville's too almost like too middling to fly up to cincy and get a big dub i i i just feel like there's not enough talent there they're all kind of sorts of banged up too uh and then minnesota travels uh down to the house that ty built uh it plays against the texans uh who do you think wins that one i think minnesota wins that one i think the texans dropped 0 and 4 on the season uh, I agree with you because Minnesota needs to put it together. Yeah. They they've struggled out the gate with Stefan Diggs couldn't have meant that much to the offense for them to struggle like that. And and maybe the Colts defense is just an aberration uh with that eleven and for twenty three performance uh Cousins put out when he played the Colts. I just don't think Houston's got that. They don't have that defense in the bag. Uh, they're not. That organization is a ship on fire. Um, a and cluster I, F, if you will. Yeah, we're you know I I I have taken a sort of pride in our podcast that by and large it is proof that as an adult I can go like an hour without cursing. Yeah, it, to be fair, when we first started, you couldn't. <laughs> And right. I was like, Jared, you can't curse. <laughs> we want people to listen to this in their cars if they have kids. And you can't Not curse. Yeah, Not well, when we started getting tagged with the explicit content, I was like, how are we explicit? How the- are we explicit? And then, yeah. Uh, it, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it. I do blame, blame my time in the Marine Corps, so... Um, let's kind of look around the, the rest of the the NFL here, kind of pontificate on who we think is going to win. Uh, let's start here. One o'clock Sunday, the Browns play in a house that Jerry built against the Cowboys. Who do you think wins that game? You say the Browns down Dallas? No, I will say the Cowboys win that game. I agree. I think Dallas turns around and gets a big win at home uh, after that kind of a letdown last week. The Saints play at the Lions. The Saints. Saints. Um, the Seahawks play at the uh, Dolphins. Seahawks. Um, the Chargers play at the Bucks. Probably Bucks. the Bucks. Yeah, I don't even think that. Like, it's funny because like you first start like during the first three weeks of the season you think bucks and you're like man they're not a very good team and you're like oh wait no they are a good team they yep. have tom brady they have gronk they they have all these weapons they yeah. actually are a good team and it just it's hard to it, it's it's like the psychological um perspective in life is that the first time you hear something it's going to stick in your head more than anything else so you're going to have a lot of information you're going to have to take in to get that first thought out of your head it, it goes to a lot of life, it goes to us with football, it goes to us with politics. And, right. and it's one of those things where you're like, all right, I've got to like look at facts. I've got to look at presence, like the, what is present right now to, to really understand what I want to talk about, what, I, what I'm thinking, right. and, and what really is true. And the Buccaneers are actually good. Which is, again, there's a lot of people that did not want to be saying that uh, about Tom Brady, about Gronk going to a new team and leaving Bill Belichick. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of people were saying that those those two had to be those three had to be tied together in order for them to be functional, and that has certainly not been the case. Uh, they've played well, uh, and the, the, even the Patriots are good. Uh, so, kind of moving along, the the Ravens play at. Uh, the Washington football team. Uh, I'm pretty sure the Ravens, the Ravens bounce back yeah. and get a big win. Uh, and then the Cardinals play at the Panthers. Uh, I think the the Cardinals uh, get a big road. Go to, they the get Cardinals. a big big road win uh, for that young team. Um, and then we already talked about the the Vikings at the Texans. So the Giants play at the Los Angeles Rams, and I feel bad for the Giants here. 
Because not only do you have to fly across the friggin' country, you're going to get your butt whooped. This is like a 38 nothing yeah. game. Um, like, this is one of those things where, like, you know what, let's just not risk COVID. Yep. So let's you might go just... ahead. There's no fans in the stands anyway. Mm-mm. Maybe we just forfeit this one. Call it a Take day. Take our ball and go home. Yeah. So let's not even make the trip, guys. <laughs> and then the Patriots play at the Chiefs. I, I'm going with the Chiefs on that. And I can't go against Patrick Mahomes. No, not an airhead. I'm not. Here's the rules from now on. Like certain things aren't going to happen. And I'm. I'm guessing a healthy Patrick Mahomes losing at home is is one of those. Uh, and then sense. it's just one of those things you know is about to happen. Now, the Bills play at the Raiders and what I'm calling one of the better games on Sunday. Yeah, this one actually could be good. Could be a tight contest, like 36-34. Um, I, I just like Josh Allen, and I'm not a big fan of Derek Carr. So I'm going to take the Bills. Yeah. That one's a tough one. And it is. What's the line on it? Uh, I think it's plus one, minus one. I'll look it up. Okay. Uh, this is basically a pick them game anyway. Yeah. Um, I could be wrong. I frequently am. <laughs> yeah. This one's a tough one. Uh, I would probably say I'd probably lean the Bills as well. Because I think they, they've got a better overall team and the quarterback's better and they've got better skill position players it's it's interesting because if you look yeah. at the teams that made the big trades um in this offseason and and like for example the bills getting stefan diggs and now yeah. i think they're three and oh or two and one mm-hmm. cardinals getting deandre hopkins they're three and oh or two and one something like that and then the two teams that lost those players are both oh and three and Inter- so it's one interesting of like, did those guys really make that big of a difference? And in in this situation, it kind of seems like they do. Well, I think you'd be crazy to argue Hopkins isn't vital to an organization, right? Yeah, for sure. Like, he's for sure your most potent offensive threat and your most reliable uh, catcher of the football. Uh, to clarify and to, and to correct myself when I'm wrong, uh, Buffalo is a three and a half point favorite, and I agree with you. They're just better all over the field. It isn't just it isn't just uh, Allen. Um, and then the Eagles uh, on Sunday Night Football, the Eagles play at the 49ers, and this is 49ers, and it's unfortunately not close. Uh, Wait, what, you're saying the Eagles and 49ers? Yeah. So the 49ers have been wrecked with injuries thus far. They have. Year. They like their entire defensive line's gone. I think they lost Simon Thomas. They lost Bosa. Um, they've lost a bunch of bunch of guys. I, you know, what? I'm going to take the Eagles in this game. You heard and it here. Alone. No, I, I mean know. it's it's good, and that means it's a good game. Then you know what I mean. If if yeah. if Philly's if Philly's beating San Francisco uh, in the Bay. Uh, we're going to have a good year. And then Monday Night Football, again, could be another good football game. The Falcons play at the Packers, and I kind of feel like this is a must-win for the Falcons. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not the say they're going to win, but I think the Packers yeah. are going to win. Uh, <laughs> I think it's a must-win for the Falcons, and the Packers are going to win. Yeah, right. Um, I, I just – this is one you, you have to have if you're Atlanta, if I understand it correctly, like the odds of – of you turning the ship around, I think they would be one and three is just not great. Um, I'm pretty sure. Well, and and not only that, but they have a very tough division. So like right. when the Colts started slow, you had Tennessee that was kind of middling. You had Houston who you always kind of knew you could win in Houston if you needed to. And then you had Jacksonville who you knew was kind of like, eh, whatever. And so when you're talking about the the Falcons down there in the NFC South, 
you're running up against the Saints, the Buccaneers, who are two of the top teams in the NFC, and I don't think that's much much of a question. And then you've got the Carolina Panthers, who aren't they haven't played great, but they aren't a slouch. No, not at all. And so that's where I come in, where I'm like, look, these guys, it's tough for them out there for that. And then right. you've got, it's not like how you could make it work in Indy with, with starting off slow. Like you can, you have time to pick it back up. You've got a, a division that allows you to pick it back up. Right. Cause they're drop they're dropping games. They should win their franchise is already kind of middling or worse. Right. With mm-hmm. the, with the NFC South, there are two, Two teams in that division, I think, could potentially play in the NFC Championship. And the Atlanta Falcons are not one of them and also 0-3. So that's why I'm, that's why I'm Ooh, even, even pausing and saying, like, hey, look at the numbers. This is a must-has-to-happen win for Atlanta. Uh, I want. I absolutely believe the Packers are the better team and should win at home. Should Aaron Jones should have a field day? Um, well, really, the Packers generally on offense should have a field day. Atlanta's defense is pretty bad, um, and the Packers' defense is supposed to be pretty good. But Atlanta does have all these weapons. Um, and again, again, I'm just saying it's it's a game they gotta they gotta have. And and when you look at their um, I mean, they've scored 90 points. That's really good in most of the... That's the most in their... They scored the most points in their division and are 0-3. Let's say it like that. Like that's that's crazy. That's why I'm saying, like, they have to win this game. And there's... There's a little bit of numbers that says, like, they have the potential to do that. Um but again, I just don't know if Packers are the team that I would want to say they get off the schneid against. I kind of just want to say it, it, it's, it's worse. It, you know, it went from bad. 0 and three is bad. 0 and four is just worse. You're you're already you're you are one percent to make the playoffs. Then you're a zero percent now, right? Effectively is what I'm saying. Um, it's kind of an unfortunate situation to be in. Atlanta just how is how does uh. Quinn have a job, and Bienemy is the offensive coordinator of the Chiefs. Seriously, how does Adam Gase have a second job? And right. and this and Bienemy doesn't it, like the fact that the NFL has not like just fired somebody and hired him, like right now, kind of just blows my mind because it like this shouldn't. Ugh, this is a, another topic for another podcast because that irks me the fact that Bienemy hasn't gotten. Hasn't been hired yet. I'm with you, and it's and it's only going to get worse for as the season goes on. the The list is only going to grow. Like right now, we're talking about like a couple coaches in the NFL, and as the season goes on, you're really gonna we're really gonna. Uh, I, I almost slipped and said we're really gonna be looking at each other, and now it's like really sad that we're we're not. Um, but yeah, we're we're gonna be thinking like you know we we were talking about gays we were, we were talking about um quinn and atlanta you know the list is just going to grow and you just, it's going to frustrate you further because there's there's a lot there's a lot of guys that have been coaching the nfl that have been doing it at a high level for a long time that have yet to be, really get an opportunity uh Bien-Ami is just the one that's running the that's the steering the Ferrari, right? Like he he's <laughs> and he has for three years, right? Um, that really, blows my mind. Really got that Chiefs off for time. years and years and years, and they're not giving him a shot, right? And and again, it could very well be him turning down any work and saying, "I've got the dream 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 job," and for that, I wouldn't blame him. Um, but it, it it is, you know, it it's it's high time. These some of these coordinators get their due, and there's there's I don't know if I'd even put any of the Colts coaches in that ballpark. Now that I said it out loud, because I don't really know if that relates to the Colts very well. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
obviously the the Colts aren't are aren't going to be trying to lose anybody, right? I think there was some chatter about Eberflus, uh, by the way, early this season. I saw you, not you, Stephen Reed, but like I saw you, see people on Twitter uh, speaking poorly about Eberflus, and then in the last two weeks, it's kind of turned that ship around. No one's getting ice cream, right? Like, oh shoot, I said that. I mean, at the beginning, like, look, if this is if you looked at the transition from last season to the first week of this season, it was bad. Like they ended the season really poorly and on defense and then started this season maybe worse with so much more talent. Right. And now like the past two weeks, you're like after week one, you kind of give everybody a pass where you're like, all right, let's see if people get figured out. Let's see, you know, you you realize where your mistakes are, where where you're you lack at times, and then you just kind of try to get yourself in the right position for week two and week three, and and really it's that week two week three to see when you make that transition and you make those changes to more accommodate your personnel, how that works. And Matty Ruthless has you know been fantastic with that. And as as we've all seen with how well the defense has played the past two weeks. It is worth pointing out he has enjoyed good pretty good health thus far too. Um yeah. like we were just talking about. There are only two players on the injury report, Pittman and Carey, and that's a good thing. Um there are other teams that have it much worse. Uh like we were just talking about the forty ers a few minutes ago, they've been decimated with injuries. Um, so we'll we'll hope to continue to enjoy uh, relative health. Uh, I, again, I think the the Colts offense is in for a, a good week. Um, all the k- kind of opinion stuff I was reading about the the Bears defense has been that this this year is a little bit of a letdown. So even though they're they're three and zero, and even though they're at home. Um, I, I'm still pretty confident the Colts are favored. And it's more than a field goal, so it's not one of those trap bets either. Um, I'm pretty positive the Colts are favored to win on the road here. Uh, and and like, like we've said, we, we fully expect that to happen. It's just a lot of it has to do with being healthy at the right time, having won two games in a row really handily. And even if you have a, a comeback-to-earth game, it's just like we've been saying. I don't. I don't have nearly as much faith in that bear offense, Bears offense as I do the Colts defense. Tariq Cohen going injured, going down injured last week after signing a big extension. Uh, Allen Robinson still hasn't been paid, so he doesn't have his, an incentive to put his life on the line. Uh, but he's he's been giving giving him hell. Um, Allen Robinson could be playing for a payday here in Indianapolis. Would lo- would love to see it. By the way, with the the injuries the Colts have had at wide receiver. How I wonder how often that happens where you play like a non-divisional opponent and a guy. Well, did that happen? Were you, have the Colts ever done that where they literally like traded for a dude they just played against and he had a good game against you Not and you're like I'm really. going out to get the, going to get. I mean, that I guy. assume Ryan Grigson did that a couple times. <laughs> it seems like a Grigson move, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it seems like a Grigson move because again. Mr. Dockage, he is the worst GM in NFL history. And there's a lot, a lot of uh, recent conversation has centered around uh, Dockage and Grigson, where they, the you know, where um, Dockage is kind of holding Grigson's water. Uh, as, he, uh, he challenged me to call into the show, and I tried five times, and I couldn't get through. And then Jim Aiello got through, and Dockage apparently hung up on him. So, yeah, it's funny. He's cute. He doesn't know anything about football. <laughs> I just – and the Have thing about the thing game. about the thing about him, and I, I hate speaking poorly of anyone, is that he's kind of like the gatekeeper for um, sports commentary here in Indy, too. And, and he's kind of taken a – um, you know, he's called us blogger boys and which is kind of disrespectful because I've met nothing but like grown, grown men when I've met up with 
the guys from Stampede Blue, like contributing members of society with real jobs. And this is definitely not their full-time gig. This is something we do like a, like a passion project, something that we really care about that we've been a part of for a long time. And for someone to, to try to reduce us, uh, and calling us blogger boys, uh, while also kind of gatekeeping, right. Let's just not give him too much credit. The, the fact is he's a very good college basketball commentator. He yeah. does not know football period and when you right. challenge him on that he takes his ball and goes home <laughs> again for somebody who on i think his the thing is his his quote-unquote family motto is sack up like he tucks and runs a lot and that's mm. just how it is he tucks his tail under his legs and runs and then goes back and yells from his window fist in the air at people about how right he is and how you don't know what you're talking about. I'm all about winning, even though I've never really won in my career. <laughs> Steven Reed with some deep cuts. Uh, all hey, facts. Oh, hey, he speaks nothing but facts. Um, one good game against Michael Jordan. And again, fantastic when Michael Jordan was 19. And, you know, that's been his entire career right and that i mean that's it really kind of shows you that that we're hurting for talent in sports media in indianapolis when that's the best we could put on well the problem uh, is like if you give somebody like stephen holder uh, like a weekly a daily radio show i think he'd be fantastic i don't think he would want to do it um right. but he's fantastic like when it comes yeah. to colts coverage you've the colts really do have some great beat writers Oh, for in sure. the area. I mean, Mike Chappell, Stephen Holder, you know, Zach, um, Zach Kiefer, Jim Aiello has been, has been a lot, has been great thus far. I mean, you've, I, there's so many just wonderful, wonderful writers that really know their stuff when it comes to the Colts. Um, and yeah, it, to have a, a subset of the Indianapolis area believe what this guy says this college basketball guy says about the Colts when he doesn't know anything and every right. guest that comes on like kind of counters him and it's like what are you doing <laughs> it, it just a- makes me laugh anyway I think the Colts are going to win this weekend they have oh, a yeah. better team on I both think. sides of the ball on, all, on all, all the ball. I think that they're going to really have an opportunity I don't know if it's going to be a blowout I think it's going to be I think with Nick Foles, you never know what you're going right. to get. You you either get BDF uh, or a BDN. Yes. Or you get the guy that throws six interceptions, and there's really no in between. So he's either going to be going out and slinging it, or he's going to be throwing pick sixes to Xavier Rhodes and and Rocky Scene and and Julian Blackman. Now. Go ahead, lock this down. Those three guys are going to get pick sixes this week. No, I'm just. <laughs> hey, I mean, if we're going to go out of limb, might as well, right? No, I, like I said, I'll, I'll kind of take the the line of saying, like, no, I actually do think this one's kind of a blowout, and it'll be one of those quagmire games um, for the Bears because I think there there is a potential for the Bears to have like a pretty nice season. And to even even to take a big loss this week and then step up the next few weeks, that's just the way the NFL works. It's more of a mindset game than it is a um, actual game. And the reason I say that primarily is because, as I may have mentioned earlier, uh, Cleo Max got a, a knee injury and he's questionable, and I think that may limit him on Sunday. Uh, and I think that can that can change a game that I think the Colts win and it's close if Cleo Mack plays. But if he doesn't play or if he's limited significantly, I just don't think this game's close. I don't think I don't think you can get the Colts' offense off the field uh, if you, if Cleo Max limited. So we'll kind of leave it there. Like we said, hey, if you're a fan of ours, and you listen to our podcast. Uh, we're trying to keep it at an hour, uh, and in exchange for that, we we'd love for you to rate us five stars or give us the highest rating possible uh, wherever you listen to Col- uh, our podcast. Um, want to make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at pod pancake. Uh, and then please follow, uh, 
Stephen at nice read Steve. That's nice. And then R E E D Steve. Then you can follow me at likely alien uh, on the bird app on Twitter. Uh, and this has been episode six, season two. I believe this is episode 51 overall that we've done um, of afternoon pancakes. Uh, enjoy the rest of the games this week. Steven, you got anything for us here to close this out? No, no, I'm good. Have a great weekend, everybody. Be safe. Go Colts. Go Colts, baby. <laughs>